0: Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Uh, how are you all doing? Good, thank you. Now, See, now I feel good. Now I feel like I can come back and talk with Creekside. Hey, uh, last week I... had a friend here who spoke, and then I was here the week before. But when I was here, I didn't actually show you a photo of my family. So for all of those who didn't believe me that I was 37 and not 14, um, I have a family photo that I'm going to throw up here for you. This is is my beautiful family. So that is my wife, Carly. Uh, Fletcher, he's seven up the top. He's my little introvert. He's super shy. He was only going to come today if he was able to sit down and play his computer games, but because yesterday was raining, he played that all day, so he wasn't coming. Uh, This is Maddie down the front. She's my strong-willed one. That's the one that I need lots and lots of prayer for, okay? Because she knows everything, everything, everything. Uh, Matt, uh, Georgia, that's Georgia Grace. We call her Gigi. She's up the side. She's our little cutie. She's my little sook. And then down here is, is Keller. She's our four-month-old baby today. And uh, we called her Keller because one of my favorite authors' names is Tim Keller. And my wife wouldn't let me call my daughter... John Calvin or Martin Luther or any of these names that I like, and so I threw in Keller and she let me have it, so I'm like, yes, I got, I got a good guy's name in. Anyway, that's my family, and uh, we love our life when we have sleep, as many of you know. Uh, no, it's good. I'm super blessed. I'm super grateful, but what having family does is family makes life busy. I... Uh, I now work one job, I'm a pastor at a church um, called Life Center Church, but until a year ago, or just after, maybe 18 months ago, I was actually working two jobs, plus having a family, plus trying to have friends, and life is busy, and often when you read self-help books, when you read uh, well-being books, and just general health books, what they will say to us is that we need to learn how to balance life, yeah? Has anyone heard that? You just need to learn how to balance your life. I love that because no one actually tells you how to do it. They just tell you that that's what you need to be doing is you need to be balancing your life. And when I think about that, I always think, of I don't know if you've ever seen this. I watch American sports. Um, I think of it of, it's like the, the Asian lady who's on the huge high tricycle and she's kicking plates up from there onto her head and then someone else is flicking up her plates and she catches it on a foot. Has anyone ever seen this? This illustration is going great for me right now. This is good. Um, it's like her where she's getting all of and I'm stressed out just watching her do it. Right? I want to suggest that maybe we're not supposed to actually live a balanced life. And I think when people are talking about living balanced, that we're supposed to eat a balanced diet, we're supposed to have a balanced exercise routine, we're supposed to plan a balanced budget, we're supposed to balance our relationships... I think what we're trying to say is we just need to get a better hold on how we do this life thing. And so what I want to suggest, I want to suggest that our issue in this life is not balance. Our issue is we don't know how to rest. Because we're never going to be able to balance everything that we have in life. And and when we think about balance, we think that the scales have to be tipped. But here's the thing you are going to work more, you are going to sleep more, other than you mums. Us men are going to sleep more than we're ever going to spend time with our kids. We're never going to be able to balance that. We're never going to be able to have an equal amount of time to go around to everything. And we live in this technological age. Don't we, when they said that, hey, when we create this, life's going to be so much simpler for us. I went to Thailand many years ago with my wife. We trekked through the jungle uh, for four days. We literally hopped off a plane with a backpack with some water and some toilet paper and some clothes. That was it. And just each day we went and trekked, stayed with another tribe. Then next day you kind of eat when you wake up in the morning, you do food with them, then you get up and then you walk another six to eight hours through the jungle and then you stay with another tribe. It was awesome. But what I realized was, is that as I'm with all of these different people, they seemed less stressed than me. They seemed happier, they seemed more content, they seemed as if life was easier, but they, had, they didn't have what we had. We had microwaves, we had vacuum cleaners, we have irons, we have dishwashers, we have all of these things which are supposed to make life easier. But for some reason, we're still stressed out. We're still living life at this sort of optimal level. And so what is the problem? The problem is not balance. The problem is rest. We don't know how to live restful lives. We only know how to live restless lives. Now, how do you know if you're restless? Well, see if you fit into any of these categories. In life, we can feel frustrated. Is that me making that noise? It is. We design things that don't work. We build things that don't last. We teach things that don't stick. We serve people who aren't satisfied. We raise kids that just aren't grateful. I'm reminded of this every night at the dinner table when my wife has just spent 27 million hours providing this perfect dish and my kids complain. And I just want to slap, no I don't, because I'm a Christian. I just want to hug them and love them and give them teddy bear, squeeze, tell your mum, eat their dinner. What used to be easy now seems difficult. Basic decisions become frustrating decisions. Maybe we've moved to quick to being anger rather than quick to being joyful. We can feel controlled by life. We get stressed out and worried, moody and irritable. We take it out on people we love. Why do we do that? We feel the pressure of doing a certain standard of work. We feel the pressure of paying off mortgages. We feel the pressure of keeping up with the Joneses. We feel the pressure of keeping the house clean. We feel the pressure of having the kids ready, their lunches ready, their homework done. We feel pressure of having to get our assignments and our study done. We feel the pressure of having to get a certain level of schoolwork done. We feel the pressure of being married, owning our own home by a certain time in life. Sleep can become difficult. Switching off is rare and our impulses, proven by the empty ice cream buckets, are off the chain. We allow the wrong things to define us. We allow our salary, our title, our position, our power, our possessions, our prosperity to define who we are. When we get that job, when we get that salary, when we get that house, maybe when we get that spouse, when we get those kids, then we will feel we've made it in life. Is this not the culture that we live in? And when we get that house, when we get that car, we realize they're not enough. So we want to get a new one. But what about when we lose that job? When we don't get that salary? It can destroy us. Life just flat out tires us. We work and work and work, giving all of our time, all of our energy, trying to balance all of life. We can lack motivation. We don't want to be with people. And for some of us in this room, we cannot remember the last time we just laughed and enjoyed life. This is some of us in the room. We are restless. We are not restful as a society. But this is not how God wants us to live. There's this awesome verse, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. This is something that Jesus said. He said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is God, Jesus, God telling us he wants us to be restful. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest, not just for your physical bodies, for your soul. Which I think, when you look at our society, this is something that we need, and we don't know how to do it. We don't know how to rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, why is this important? Well... If you're like me, the best version of you is the restful one. My wife loves me like Saturday afternoon, because Saturday's family day. That's the that's the optimum me. That's the day that I've taken my son out. We've gone to footy. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm at peace. She loves that version of me. She doesn't love the version of me of Sunday night tonight. So pray for me. After church, when my brain is racking like crazy going, what have I got to do this week? And my head is starting planning Monday meetings, Tuesday meetings, Wednesday meetings, Thursday meetings. My brain goes crazy. Is this not true? The best version of us is our restful, our peaceful version. What's the worst version? The stressed version of you is the worst version. See, here's the thing. I love my wife more than anybody in this room. Okay, none of you are surprised by that. But here's the thing. I talk the worst to my wife than anybody in this room when I'm stressed. Do we not do this? Do we not do this? Do we not get angry at our kids? Like I remember one day, my, my son was like two seconds old, right? And, he, and, he, he, went over and grabbed, he went over and grabbed the remote. I lost my mind. Rawr! <laughs> Give me that remote, you yes, yes. I don't know what I said. I can't remember. But I just remember, and then I, and I kind of had like this flashback of like an alien looking down, going, "Look at this thirty-year-old man going crazy at this two-second-old baby going after his remote." Do you know why I did that? Because I was stressed. Do you know when I don't love my family well, when I don't pastor my church well, is when I'm stressed. And I can't just balance all of these things and no longer be stressed. It doesn't work. I actually, tell me if you find this, I actually find myself more stressed by trying to work out. how I, I, can't, I can't be Asian lady kicking things on and going, oh, this is awesome. I can't. I'm stressed just watching Asian lady do that, right? I don't know how she does that. She's amazing. The best version of ourselves is the restful version of ourselves. The peaceful version. Version of ourselves. I remember this time at Christmas. My son, my daughter bought him a remote control car. This is cool now. Which not only went on the floor, but it went up walls. And it could spin on ceilings. It was unbelievable. And so we had all the family over. And Fletcher's like, I want to show everyone. I want to show everyone my awesome car. And I'm like, yeah, cool, no worries. And then we've realized it was out of battery. Um, I know. Look, the people on this side of the room are really with me on this story. I heard... Oh, that's really sad. It was really sad, and he was really disappointed. So I'm like, dude, don't worry about it. You know what we're going to do? We're going to plug it in. In 15 minutes, it'll be good to go. So he's like, okay. And then every three seconds, he's like, is it ready? Is it ready? Is it ready? Is it ready? And then I was like stressed, and I was like, rah, no. Okay. He was like, bang, 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 and then charged it, put it on the roof, turned all the lights off, and he's just like, this is my moment cars like got colors red and light uh, red red and blue so it looks like a a police car and it's going nuts and it's like yeah yeah and then it stopped right above the fan <laughs> and the closest person to it is my mother-in-law who's got keller and it's like oh 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 and you all know what happened right Everyone just ducks because we have no idea where that thing's about to go. It drops, ping, ping. It goes in like a million pieces all over the place. And Fletcher went from, this is my moment, to, I hate my life. I hate my life. My toy's broken. That's how we live our lives. We go and go and go and go and go and go and go. And then we plug in for 15 minutes thinking we're good to go. And then we go and go and go and go and go and go. And then we plug in for 15 minutes thinking we're good to go. And what happens is we fall apart. Marriages fall apart. Relationships fall apart. Levels of work fall apart. And it's not just that we're going. It's that we don't know how to rest properly. Because we were made to go. We were made to work. Before sin ever enters this world, God created humans to work. We're designed to work. We're meant to work. But we're also designed to to rest. Now, for me, this came to a head last year. I, um, I was leading church, doing some things, and all of a sudden I started having these panic attacks. I don't know if any of you have ever had a panic attack in your life. You can probably tell from my personality. I don't really struggle with those sorts of things. I'm the type of person who, when I feel insecure... I get more out there to prove I'm not insecure. Right? That's me. That's what extroverts do. We get louder. We get more center of attention. And so that was me. You can't do that. Yes, I can. Let me show you. I will do that. So that was me. And then last year, I just hit this wall where one day I could not get out of my room. I'm sitting in my bed, my head's on the pillow. My wife's looking at me and she's going, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know. But I literally cannot get up. I'm freaking out. And she's like, well, what are you freaking out about? And I'm like, that's what I'm freaking out about. I don't know what I'm freaking out about. That's why I'm freaking out. And now you're making me more freak out. Stop freaking me out. Just let me freak out. Okay, and then we wrote this awesome song. It's called Freak Out. You know that song? Freak Out. <laughs> so I, I, I finally sort of got out of bed, eventually got out of the room, and then one day I hopped in a car. Had a freak out in a car. Sitting there as a the passenger. Literally had to told, told the people, pull over went outside, fell on the ground, and actually passed out on the side of the street. Boom. That happened to me six times last year. On buses, on planes, in cars, in my house. It would take me three hours every single week to get to church. I had to get up at six so I could walk the dog and try and get blood flowing in my body and get adrenaline running so that I could get myself to church just so I could get up and preach. We had people who did baby dedications. We had people who did baptisms. And it would take me hours to get there to even do that because my body, my soul, shut down. It didn't know how to handle anything anymore because I had not learned how to live in rest. So now I currently have uh, have a whole bunch of tablets in this pocket right here. So if I have a a freak out right now, I can just pop them. So we're good. (laughs) We're okay. I'm on daily medication. I've been seeing a counselor every single week for nearly six months. I will continue to do that until I learn how to live in rest. And God is slowly healing me and I'm recovering, which is great. But my body shut down. My brain shut down. My emotions shut down. My life shut down. And so I want to teach you a couple things of what I learned. The first thing I had to do is I had to go to God and I had to say, What is rest? How do I rest? How do I learn? To be whole in this life. And here's the thing, when, when, you, when you read the story of the Bible, you see that God is the first person that rests. God creates everything. On one day, he creates this. Day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. What does he do on day seven? He rests. Now, why does God rest? Is God tired? First of all, when I read the account of him working, I'm like, dude, that's not even working. You just speak things into being. If I could do that, that would be sweet. Stop being naughty. Eat that food. Clean your room. Put your shoes on. (laughs) That'd be awesome. But we see that God works, 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 works. And then day seven, he rests. Why does he do that? Well, one, I think he does that because he wants to model something for us humans who are not like him. We do break down. We are not infinite. We have a level that we can do, and that is it. We're frail, we're fragile. Our minds can only handle so much. Our emotions can only handle so much. Our bodies can only handle so much. But two, I think he wants to show us something that we don't know very well about rest. See, when God rests, he's not just ceasing from work. He ceases from one kind of work and moves to another kind of work, which is called enjoyment. Enjoyment. Literally, if you read it in Genesis 1, it says on day one, he does this, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven, and then he rested and he blessed the day. Do you know what that word blessed means? Enjoyed it. We the problem is not just that we don't know how to stop, we don't know how to be satisfied. We are discontent human beings in the West. Because we are taught, you've got to have this, you've got to have this, you've got to have this, you've got to have this. This is why I hate TV, because my kids see everything that they've got to have. And I don't have the money for you to have all those things. They didn't know that they needed that until they saw it, and then discontent was put in their heart. For me to be happy, for me to be satisfied, I've got to have this. And God, God God works, God works, God works, God works, God works, God works, God stops. And just enjoys it. Fundamentally, I think... That's the biggest part of rest that we don't get. We do not know how to be satisfied. So I have a definition of restfulness for you. I don't know if this will help. But restfulness is a deep satisfaction and contentment in who we are, in what we've done, and what we have because of God's grace and goodness. In who we are, some of you in this room, you are discontent with who you are. When you look in the mirror, you don't like who you are, so you work and work and work and work and work, trying to prove that you're not the person who you are seeing in the mirror. You're discontent. For some of you, you want more, and you think by getting a bigger house and having more cars and having these things will actually help you and make you feel better about yourself. For some of you, you just don't know how to be content in what you do. You don't like what you do. So I want to give you just four things that have helped me this past year on how to live restful. And I'll put these on the screen for you. Number one is just redefine the why. The why question has been the biggest thing for me. Why do I do what I do? What is my definition of success in this life? See, as a pastor, you might think that we're all holy and we've got all these great motives, but actually as pastors, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're dissatisfied with the size of our church because of the size of our church then determines how good of a pastor we are. And we get discontent with that. And we're like, well, if there was 50 people there, I'd feel good, but there was only 30, so now I'm, I'm down. That can affect the pastor's life. So for you, it, it might not be the same thing, but what is your definition of of success. Why do you do what you do? Why do you do that job? Why do you spend time with your kids or your spouse? Why do you spend time serving on that board? Often in life we think about the balancing act is like a pie that we've got to give equal amount of the pie to different things in our life, but actually here's what I've been learning. It's not about the amount and the the cut of the pie that goes to certain activities. What matters most is what is the flavor of that pie. Because that's what runs deep beneath everything that determines the purpose and the value of what we do. Have you ever done something for your spouse? Men, have you ever done something for your spouse? Like you've, you, she's been out, you're like, I'm going I'm to clean the house, I'm going to sweep the floors, and I'm going to mop the floors, and I'm going to have, like my wife loves the kitchen bench, I'm going to do that. And I'm, and I'm doing it her and she comes home she doesn't say anything she doesn't notice and then you get what? angry because she did it for her right? yeah you all know what I'm talking about we're going we're to have some real talk what we find is there was a motivation of doing it for her but there was another motivation of doing it for yourself so that you would get something from her and when you didn't get it you got frustrated because that was the real why I remember one time at church, uh, we helped move this family. And I was like, I don't know, 18, 19, new, new Christian, thinking I'm awesome. And I remember I was there. I was the first one there helping to move house. I was the last one to leave. And then at church that Sunday, they thanked all these people for helping the woman move. There's a single mum, And I'm sitting there just waiting for my name to be last because I did the most. And they're like, oh, oh, thanks, Bob. And thanks, Jane. I didn't get a mention. I was ticked. I was so angry. I was like, I was the greatest of all servants. I was above and not beneath the head and not the tail of servants. And then I went to my mum and I said, Mom, you didn't say anything about me. Why? Why not? You know what she said to me? It's one of the greatest lines my mama said to me. She said, if you want to live like a servant, don't get upset when someone treats you like one. Now, if you can do me a favor, don't ever tell my wife that line because I've kept that a secret from her because if she ever uses that, I will be angry. I'll be like, you are not my mother. See, the why we do something impacts the outward energy expenditure, but it also impacts the energy input. It's what fuels us. Why? Why? See, most people are working, most people are doing to get something, to get an identity, to get power, to get security, to get approval. But what if we worked from something? Rather than working to get something, what if we realized we already have something? You are already who you are. God has made you who you are. So you don't have to try and prove anything to anybody. You can literally work to bless them. You can teach not to get a salary. You can teach not to get students just to learn, but you can teach to just be your way of blessing the world. See, this is what I'm learning about other cultures. Other cultures don't just work to get. They work to give. And our culture doesn't know how to do that. The why we do things matters. Refocus the what. What has God designed you to do? What is your true north? What do you love to do? What are you good at? I speak to many men who tell me they hate their jobs. I hate it. I'm miserable. Like, why do you do it? And then I'll ask them, what do you want to do? Like, I literally sat down like two years ago with guys, like, I hate this job and I want to be in landscaping. I'm like, cool. Let's move you from this job and let's get you to landscaping. He's like, oh, I can't can't. And then he lists off like 20,000 million excuses. I'm like, dude, you don't have to do it tomorrow, but what you're doing doesn't energize you. What you're doing drains you because every day you were doing something that you don't feel you were created to do. And yes, you're 40 years of age, but you can be 80 years of age and finally landscaping. Let's move you to landscaping. What do you do? I had to learn this. What do I do? Not just why do I do it? What am I doing? There are parts of my job that I'm terrible at. Come to my church. They'll list them for you very clearly. And I was doing a lot of things that I just am not good at and I'm not made to do. She's having fun. So here's the thing about freedom. Our culture believes that freedom is the absence of restrictions. That's their definition of freedom. Freedom, just be able to do whatever you want. That's incorrect. The definition of freedom... Is living according to your design. Think about a fish, right? I've used this illustration here before at night church, but I'll use it again. See if you see if you like it, right? And let's not just make it a fish. Let's make it an Aussie fish, right? Let's go all the way. It's an Aussie fish. He gets round. He's got a few drinks with his Aussie mates. How you going? Going good. I got this great idea. I'm sick of living in water, and no government is going to tell me how I can live my fish life. And his fish mates are like, yeah, no liberal, no labor. Nobody can tell you. No Pauline Hansen. We don't care who it is. No one can tell you how to live your life. What's your plan? My plan's to go and live on land. That's a great plan. We're with you. Yeah. And of course they're drinking, so they're, they're stupid. <laughs> Old mate over here thinks I'm bound because I'm living in water. And true freedom is the absence of restrictions. I want to move from water onto land. When he moves to land, how well does it go for Aussie fish, man? It goes bad because he was designed to live a certain way. Every human being, you are unique. God has wired you to live and to do things a certain way. Number three, re-rhythm. Re-rhythm the when. What is most important to you? What often gets squeezed out of your schedule that you need to put back in? And here's the thing, if you don't prioritize your life, somebody else will. Right? Your boss will, your spouse will, your kids will. Somebody else is going to prioritize your life for you if you don't. So I've had to learn how to rhythm. I, I worked from the age of 18 to the age of 36, and I've never taken four weeks holiday in any of those years, and I've never had two days off a week in any of those years. And all of you are like, I wonder why he had a mental breakdown. I wonder why he flipped out. That's so hard to work out. That guy's the dumbest dude in all of history. Yes, I am. Pray for my wife. I didn't do it because I was working and working and working and working and working and working. I never, ever scheduled in, take holidays. The most I've ever had is two weeks. That's when my kids were born. That wasn't a holiday. So now the board for me have said, this is it. Boom, done. You're in. I now have two days off a week. This is crazy. I now get Fridays off. I don't know what to do. I lose my mind, and sometimes my wife, it's like taking it, like an alcoholic is taking a, a quick drink. I'm like in there trying to do quick emails. And my wife's like, what are you doing? Nothing, you know. But I now I'm scheduling, turn off, turn off. Here's another thing I'm doing. See, to, to, to kind of do this, you kind of you got to switch off. Hi, kids. This is a really good dinner time. This is, this is great. Oh, look at that turn off i now do an entire day it's called no screen day no tv no facebook no instagram no email nothing do you know how hard that is but do you know how good it is i feel so good church people get so angry because they're so disconnected from me i'm like i'm oh, so sorry i scheduled you out of my schedule <laughs> it's great it's awesome re-rhythm your life Put things into your schedule. Put them in and don't let anybody else take them. And lastly, I'll finish with this, reconnect. Reconnect. Reconnect with things that you love to do. Reconnect with things that put energy and put joy and put things. That might be people. I've had to learn how to to hang out with friends again. Do you know what I mean? Like friends, people who just laugh and just enjoy you for you. I've had to learn how do you do that? Because I've got so busy working, I stopped just having friends. And it's so good to just get back to having friends. Reconnect with your spouse. Reconnect with things that you love to do. Some of you, you have quit on lists and things that you had on your bucket list. Dreams you've left go of. You've made excuses for them. You've got to pick them back up and go, you know what? We're going to start doing some of those things again. And lastly, I want to go back to this verse. Jesus said here, Come to me, all who labor and heavy and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What Jesus is saying here is some of you, you are striving and working hard to win my approval. You need to rest from religion. You need to stop doing and doing and doing and ticking off boxes and ticking off boxes and ticking off boxes to make you feel like you're good with God and rest. And he wants to take that off you. The other part, though, he says, take this on you, which is his yoke. Now, a yoke had two massive gold rings with a beam that went across. And they would have one oxen and a small oxen. And the strong oxen and the small oxen together would learn how to work together. Some of you, you're in this room. And you're not a Christian. And I want to say to you, maybe you're restless because you have not connected with God. And maybe it's time to trust Jesus and say, you know what? I'm not going to clean up my life before I come to Him. I'm not going to try and do all of these things to get Him to love me. I'm going to rest in the fact that He went to a cross and died for me, and He does love me, and He's proved it. And then you come and reconnect with God, where Jesus says, listen, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to work with you. I'm actually going to carry your heavy load for you, and together let's do this life. And here's the thing that I've learned more than anything, is that I can do all of these things. But peace is ultimately in a person named Jesus. And without me being connected to God, my soul lies restless. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning. We thank you that you do love us. We thank you that when you made the world, when you made the universe, when you made the planets, the stars, the moons, the skies, the seas, the land that we see not only did you celebrate and rest satisfied on the seventh day, but every day it says that you saw what you made and declared it to be good. You worked and you celebrated. You worked and you celebrated. And God, you made us in your image to be people that would work. But you also made us people that would rest, that we'd live satisfied, we'd lived contented lives in who we are, in what we've done and in who we are becoming and what we have because of your goodness and because of your grace. And for people in this room today, God, who they're not connected to you, they're distant, but they want to connect to you. I ask that you would just help them this morning. And for those of us who maybe be Christians, but we're just we're running around tired all the time, exhausted, trying to do so many things. Would you help us this morning to come back and realize that you are with us, that this work is not in vain. All the things that we do are not on their own or apart from you, but they are with you, that you are with us, that you're for us, and you're constantly helping us because you are good and you are gracious. In your name, amen.